How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Lakers. I am your host, Harrison Fagan. Anthony Irwin is not with me tonight. Just like the Lakers, he disappeared at halftime of the Charlotte game tonight. So before I get into who's replacing him, I wanted to remind you that, as always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen Roll, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOLAKERS to get a $20 rebate on your first ticketing purchase. Now, with all that out of the way, I want to bring in Gary Kester, uh, a writer extraordinaire of Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, how's it going, Gary? Uh, pretty good now that I just got that title. I feel my confidence is, has, has skyrocketed. I, I think that's your official title in like our staffing <laughs> like sheet. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about that. But if it isn't, then I'm going to do my best to, to go ahead and change that. And Gary, you got our, our longtime listeners may have picked up. Gary is our go-to replacement for Anthony because he can he can kind of play my role and let me play the idiot making dumb jokes kind of thing. So <laughs> it's uh it's like it's a fun it's always fun to have you on. Yeah, so, you won't get the terrible puns from me, so. Yeah, well I I can't I, similarly to how the Lakers can't get any stops seemingly in any game <laughs> or tonight against the Hornets, I guess last night by the time that everyone's listening to this. You know, the, the I can't stop Anthony from making terrible puns. But more relevant to, I guess, our discussion is the Lakers not being able to get stops. It happened again tonight. The team put up 73 points in the first half and then just didn't do that again in the second half. And Charlotte actually scored one less point in the second half than they did in the first. But the Lakers just, their offense fell off a cliff and their defense couldn't make up the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's been an ongoing thing with the Lakers, and it's it's really frustrating to see because there's times when their offense, when when it's really clicking, they're so much fun to watch. But then you know, just like tonight, there's it can all it takes is one quarter to completely undo everything that that was so much fun in that first half, and and yeah, I mean, just the the inability to get stops. I mean, it's just it's such a killer, and it and it changes the game so so rapidly that you know it's it's like they played two different games tonight it was it was kind of one of those games yeah i mean it's the thing for them is that it's like you said their offense is really fun to watch and especially when it's clicking and it was definitely clicking in the first half tonight but the problem with having an atrocious defense is that all of that goes out the window as soon as you stop scoring like gangbusters 
because uh, like if you if you're just outscoring the other team, if your offense cools down even a little bit, which it definitely did in the second half tonight, I believe they went from shooting like sixty plus percent from three point range to like just barely over twenty in mm. the second half. And that's a huge drop-off, and you have to be able to either get some stops or generate some turnovers or do something like that to be able to make up for it. Right, and and I've always been a believer, like, with basketball, your offense is going to come and go. You know, there's just going to be times where even if you execute well, you're not going to make shots. You know, yeah. sometimes that's just how it happens. That's what happened but if you're, against the Nets last week. Yeah, but if you're able to consistently get stops, you know, you're going to be in a position to win games. You know, if you you know – I mean, I look at a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, and sometimes there's times where their offense is, is very ugly to watch. Um, but, you know, like for, for years now, they've been a team that's that's able to consistently get stops. And I feel like, especially this year, they're always in close games. Like they're, most of their games come down to the final few minutes. And I think it's, you know, it kind of goes back to their, their ability to get stops and kind of keep teams in check a little bit. Um, and, you know, that's something the Lakers are, are very, very far away from right now. Well, so, yeah, let's get it. Why do you think the Lakers are so far away from that? Like, why are they so bad defensively? What What's the biggest issue that you've noticed this year watching them? Well, I mean, to, to start things, they don't have a lot of defensive talent, to be honest. I mean, when you look at some of the guys on their roster, you know, like Lou Williams and Nick Young and, and Jordan Clarkson. Hey, hey, hold on. How dare you disparage <laughs> defensive player of the year? According to Luke Walton, Nick Young. He, he didn't actually say that yet. <laughs> well, I mean, like you look at the roster and a lot of guys coming into this year were notably bad, like really bad defenders. And and I think some of that goes back to the coaching of the past couple of years. I don't think they got great coaching, especially on defense. Um, and, you know, we're what, you know, probably about a third of the way into the into the season it's going to take time. You know, there's a lot of youth on this team too, that it's going to take a lot of time to teach these guys defensive principles. And, you know, especially with a team that just doesn't have a lot of defensive, defensive talent, you know, there's miscommunication errors. There's just, you know, a lot of things that this team I think isn't used to on the defensive end that it's going to take, I mean, it might take a full season or two to, to really teach them a lot of things that they have to do consistently well on defense. And it's like they were better to start the year. But I think that a lot of that was having the roster fully healthy, and I think everybody was able to go out there and exert a little bit more effort and a little bit more energy on defense because they weren't at being asked to do too much or do more than they expected to on offense. Like, even Lou Williams was pretty decent on defense to start the season, whereas now he's kind of fallen off a cliff. Nick Young isn't doing quite what he was doing to start the year anymore. Jordan Clarkson, I mean, he was awesome offensively tonight mm -hmm. uh, against against the Hornets, but he's just completely fallen off a cliff defensively. He he just it's just not there for him anymore. Well, and that's the thing that's that's really hard. I mean, it's hard to play defense, you yeah. know, and especially in the game of basketball. It's really hard. It takes a lot of work, and to consistently be good at it, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. You know, and I think that's why when you get defensive specialists in the league. You know, they're really appreciated because it's I mean, they're kind of few and far in between, you know, it's just it's something that's very, very hard to do consistently. Um, you know, there's guys that can, that can that are able to kind of step up here and there and make d big defensive plays. But, you know, the, the truly, truly special defenders, like I said, you know, they don't 
come around as often, I think, as great offensive players. You know, because offense is, I think, is just a little more natural because it's what everybody up, works on. Nobody goes exactly. to the gym and, uh, or almost nobody goes in the gym and just does lateral slides. They go in and get up jumpers. Exactly. When you're, you know, when you're in a, a gym by yourself, you know, you're holding a basketball. Like you're an yeah. offensive minded player automatically. So yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's it's just harder to teach, you know, because you know, like like you said, it's it's not something that players consistently work on all the time because you know, if, like if you're working on your individual game, you're more than likely working on your offense. So um it's yeah, it's just one of those things it's very hard to teach to be consistently good. Yeah, it's hard to teach, and it's especially hard to teach for young players, like you said. And it's probably e- that learning curve probably goes even further up when it's a first-time head coach doing the teaching. And so, I mean, do you think that this is something that the Lakers can fix this year, or are they all just a bunch of selfish, overly touted draft busts? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's something that I mean they can certainly get better at. You know, I, I feel like there's. Worse. I'll say at time, a lot of times, you know, it's hard to, for them to get worse defensively. But I you know, it's something they could get out like batons and start es- <laughs> like, the, like the air traffic controller things and just start <laughs> escorting players to the basket, or they can I mean, start goaltending every three pointer just to make sure that it counts. Like I mean, I, they I basically did that for Rodney Hood uh, in that Jazz game at home. They yeah. just all cleared out and just opened up the runway for him. But, but no, it's something I, I'll, I mean, I'd expect them to get better as the season goes along. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't expect this team to be a good defensive team really at any point this season. Do you think that? Do you think they'll get better with age though? Do you think that that's or do they have to bring in? I guess it's a combination of both, right? I think they have to bring in some different guys. I think they have a few too many offensive-minded guys. But I also think that, I guess, as the roster ages, they're probably that. that's probably just going to be the biggest part of it, is just these guys that are, you know, we talk about them all the time, as the quote-unquote young core, are just going to get older and probably more mature physically, smarter about the game, and I guess better defensively, you would hope. Oh yeah, no. I, I think the age and the experience is definitely going to help them, you know, get better over time. Because I think, I mean, it's just like offense. You know, naturally the game kind of slows down a little bit. You gain just a better understanding. I think, you know, especially you know when you're a veteran in the league, you've seen you know a lot of players so many times. You kind of know a lot of their tendencies and stuff like that. That you'll kind of you'll just feel for things overall. Uh, you'll learn how to communicate better, you know, where to be, how to scheme, stuff like that. So I think, yeah, with time it's going to get better. But I think for the Lakers to be, you know, a good defensive team, they're going to have to upgrade, you know, the talent on that end of the floor um, in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. So, I, I mean, getting into something else that the Lakers should probably be changing soon at least in my opinion, in my observation, is the trend of D'Angelo Russell sitting at the end of games. It happened tonight. The Lakers ended up losing down the stretch. I, I don't know. I'm not willing to go far enough to say that if Russell was in, they would have won the game. But I think they would have gotten better shots down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Their last Russell came in and actually took the very last shot of the game. But the prior three before that, when the Lakers were actually in it, the Lakers were down four when Russell took his last-minute heave three. Mm-hmm. And the the last three shots before that were just Nick Young taking off-balance jumpers. And I think 
when you have Russell in there, it organizes the offense a little bit better. Even though mm-hmm. he's still such a young point guard, he's kind of he's still by far the best point guard on the Lakers roster. And when you don't have him out there, I think that the players that I'm not going to call them selfish, but they definitely look for their own shots first. I think they are able to roam free a little bit more and sometimes in some cases too much like it's fine if Lou Williams is absolutely just fireballing but Mm. it's less fine when you know Nick Young is missing off balance toe on the three-point line jumpers yeah no and and that's I think something that we saw when Russell was out for a couple weeks with his with his injury was you saw a lot more kind of one-on-one iso ball you know and they they almost I mean it wasn't like a consistent thing I guess but there were definitely times especially down the stretches of games where you know they kind of reverted to last year's offense where it was just kind of try and beat your man off the dribble or whatever and and just you know go one on one and you know I think the the biggest issue I have with sitting Russell you know down the stretch of close games is you're probably taking out your best playmaker you know he's a guy that can create offense for Easy. himself but I, he, I don't but even he, think it's close as far as best playmaker. Yeah, and and that's the issue, and I think that's why you know you see the Lakers kind of settle for those types of shots where it's Nick Young, you know, shooting with two guys on him off balance or whatever. You know, with with D'Angelo, all you gotta do is you know you can just throw him in a simple pick and roll set, and he's probably gonna be able to create something better for you. And you know, I think that's the biggest issue is that the offensive execution offensive execution is so you know it just takes such a such a hit when he's not on the floor because he he is such a good playmaker for this team that he can create shots for himself or other guys you know and he'll take some ill-advised shots sometimes especially you know down the stretch we've seen that before but i think that that's going to come with with you know age and experience but there's no yeah there's no question that you know you lose just a, a huge playmaker by sitting him down the stretch and this isn't this isn't just an eye test thing. You you want to Gary? You want to take a guess here where Russell ranks in terms of average fourth quarter minutes this uh, this season? On the team or in the league? On the team. Oh man, I would say probably bottom half, maybe nine or ten. Oh, you were close. You you actually went lower than I thought you were going to go. It's eighth. He's tied oh, for okay. eighth. Do you want to guess who he's tied for eighth with? <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like it's not somebody from the second unit. Um, no, it's somebody from the third unit. It's the catalyst. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now, okay, so Mar- Marcelo Huertas has only appeared in eleven games, so the average, and you know, I think it's most of them have been just garbage time down the stretch. So that skews <laughs> yeah. it a little bit. Uh, the total minutes averages are different, but mm-hmm. it really does illustrate that Russell should be in these close games more. I mean. He's averaging 5.9 minutes per fourth quarter, and Luol Deng, who has been just the walking dead for most of the year, <laughs> is averaging 6.2. You know, it, it just it yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense how little Russell is playing in the fourth quarter. And a lot of these guys with the higher minutes, other than Tarek Black, the top the top four are just that Lakers bench unit that got so much acclaim earlier mm-hmm. in the year of Clarkson, Williams, Ingram, and Nance Jr. And then it's yeah. Randall, and then it's Dang, Huertas, and Russell. And mm-hmm. so that that the bench thing is skewed because Luke often comes back in the fourth quarter with to start the fourth quarter with those guys. And a lot of times earlier in the year they'd go on a run. Mm-hmm. But 
Uh, Russell, in, in games like tonight, the Lakers need him in there. I, I think tonight he ended up being benched for defensive reasons would be my best guess because the Lakers went on that – Oh, the Hornets went on that 15-0 and run while Russell was in there with the starters. But, mm-hmm. I mean, even if he's making mistakes defensively, it, it's not like Lou Williams is out there locking guys up. Yeah. And and that's the issue is that, you know, the alternative – and I think that's why we, we hated so much last year that Russell wasn't finishing games or that, you know, he, he was in the starting lineup and then he got – you know, he was brought off the bench for so long was because the, you know, the alternate choice was Lou Williams, who is naturally more suited to come off the bench. You know, it's it's one thing if, you know, He's sitting Russell down. candidate this year. Some people are saying favorite. Yeah, I think there's a pretty strong case for that because that's kind of his natural role, especially, I mean, at this stage of his career. But no, it's 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 frustrating because, you know, like I said, just if if they were winning games when he was sitting on the bench, I don't think – I mean, yeah, you could argue that, you know, you're kind of setting development aside a little bit and chasing wins, which, I mean, you know, I, I get that argument, but this is a little different than, than last year was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating because you're kind of setting the development aside and you're still losing games. You know, you want to get those minutes for Russell and, and, you know, allow him to be in those big moments and, and just kind of learn from, from those games by being in them. And, you know, if he's sitting on the bench, I don't know just exactly how much he's going to learn. Especially on nights like tonight when he was actually like, like he was good and it wasn't like he was dealing with a bunch of turnover issues. He he had two turnovers, but mm. th- I mean, that's not that bad. That's that's no, no. So and it, it's again, I, I just go back to it's not like Lou Williams is out there playing better, be, significantly better defense than mm. Russell is, even with Russell's knee kind of bothering him. And, you know, the, the numbers kind of back up what we're talking about with the Lakers offense looking better with Russell, out, at least out there on the floor. So as far as fourth quarter offensive rating, Nance is actually top. And we'll, we'll talk more about Nance in a minute here. Lou Williams is next with the Lakers score 112.7 points per 100 possessions with Lou Williams on the floor in the fourth. And D'Angelo Russell is 112. So 0.7 worse. Despite playing a lot of those minutes with like the star or some at least some of those minutes with guys who are uh, units that are a little weaker, like mm-hmm. uh, like with the starters, you know, because the the bench has outscored teams by so much, and that even skews things. And you know, the defensive metrics aren't amazing, but Russell is still the team still outscoring teams by two point six points per one hundred possessions with Russell on the floor in the fourth, which is the which is the fifth best rate on the team. It's not bad, but he hasn't been bad in fourth quarters by any means. And the team mm-hmm. hasn't been bad when he's in there. But but he's a positive, which is, yeah. you know, the the main takeaway. And I think, you know, the Lakers have to utilize that because, you know, they've been in a lot of close games this year and they've lost a lot of close games this year. And, you know, I think, you know, this isn't the first time that we, you know, have been, you know, upset or we've discussed, you know, Russell sitting in the fourth quarter of a close game. You know, this has been something that's happened a few times and, and, you know, it's frustrating, especially because of all the things that he brings that we just talked about a little earlier with his playmaking and all that. Um, and especially, he has you know, the if highest you're... assist percentage of any Laker, it, to, of any Laker in the fourth quarter, he, he assists on 26.8% of teammates field goals in the fourth. 
Yeah, and and if you were sitting him down so you could play like Tony Allen, you know, like a defensive specialist or something like that, I could understand the logic in that. But yeah, like you were like like we were just talking about, like when it's Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson or whoever, like guys that aren't really any better defensively, it's 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 a little frustrating. Yeah, it definitely. And and so just seeking awkwardly here, I think we're kind of past the Russell. I, I mean, I don't totally understand why he's sitting. I understand that Lou Williams has been great, but if they're so great, mm-hmm. then just maybe you play them to you could play them together. Russell's yeah. a bigger point guard. You could play him. You you could play him at the two. Exactly, and, and that's a, and that's the big thing point is guard lineup. Teams do that. Yeah, and uh, and that's been one of the things because I remember coming into the season, I think we were most excited about all the different lineups that the Lakers could use, and I think most of those lineups that we kind of envisioned included Russell, and I feel like Russell's kind of been been handcuffed a little bit with the lineups that he's generally been with. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see him haven't been great and he's propped them up to a degree. Like we see how bad those starters are when Russell misses games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to see him, you know, with more you know, play more minutes with with four guys of the second unit with you know be out there with say Lou Williams and, and Ingram and Nance and and Tarek Black if he's healthy. Like things like that. Like seeing like the, the versatility with those lineups and, and having him involved with that. I feel like we haven't seen that nearly enough. I feel like he's kind of been uh I just feel like he's been kind of stuck with the starting lineup a little too often. Yeah, and I, I get Luke has separate play styles for those two units, but I think it just he's a rookie head coach, and I think one of the things that he's going to have to kind of adjust in his philosophy, or maybe he never will do it, and maybe he'll continue to feel this way, but I, I feel like he needs to stagger lineups a little bit better and a little bit more. And I'm not saying that I could do a better job by any means. I, I just think that it's something that you can look at and that I think that he could probably improve on. Yeah, and and that was something. I mean, we talked about last year was that I mean, you should always have, you know, one of Clarkson or Russell on the court. Um, yeah, that didn't happen very often last year. They were often both. On yeah, the it's. Year. I mean, it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating because I think, and obviously, you know, he's had the minutes restriction and, and this and that, and that's kind of factored in somewhat, but. Yeah, I don't really have, I guess, a big issue with the the amount of minutes Russell's playing. I just think they need to kind of change up the lineups a little bit, change up the looks a little bit, and, you know, kind of give defenses or just teams in general just, you know, something different to look at. Because I think the Lakers are relatively easy in terms of, a you know, a lineup standpoint to scout on film. You know, they're going to try and keep their second unit together a lot. Yeah. And – and I think that's a little easier to prepare for, even though the second unit's really good. But I think if you mix it up and you throw Russell in with, you know, three or four guys from that second unit, you know, you could have a really effective lineup. Yeah, I would agree. And what I think one of the guys we've mentioned a couple times from that second unit that's been really good is Larry Nance. And mm-hmm. he actually I was actually surprised when I was looking at offensive rating in the fourth quarter just now for this Russell discussion that it's actually Nance Jr. with the highest one on the team. The Lakers are scoring 116.5 points per 100 possessions with Nance in in the fourth quarter. And again, some mm-hmm. of that is still left over from when that bench unit was just killing teams earlier in the year. And yeah. that's kind of tailed off a little bit. But he still he also has the highest net rating on the team in fourth quarter. So the Lakers are outscoring teams by 11 points per 100 possessions with Nance on the floor in the fourth. And 
I think it's safe to say that if this injury that he sustained tonight against Charlotte is lingering, the Lakers are going to have a real problem here. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're going to have a a huge problem because he's, you know, Nance is one of those guys, to me, he's kind of like a, like a you like a Swiss Army knife kind of thing. Like he's a jack of all trades almost. You know he he does a little bit of everything and and I think that's really really effective because he's a guy that plays really hard all the time. And I think he's one of their best defensive players. You know he does a lot to to kind of create havoc defensively. And I think he might be one of the. I mean he's definitely one of the better players on the team at creating turnovers, which allows them to get out and run a little bit and kind of get out and transition. Um, but yeah, not. I mean, if he's out for a while, or you know, he's just not fully healthy, or whatever the case may be, that's that's a big loss to them because because of all the different things that he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been really he he kind of it's cliche, but he does all the right things offensively. Other than maybe sometimes he's a little bit too unselfish as far as he mm-hmm. should just take the open jumper. And I think yeah. he's been so well trained that I'm not a guy who's out here to score a bunch of points that it, it just he doesn't really do that mm. and, but I mean otherwise he's kind of done everything that you could ask for him this year and for those of you that missed the game last night Nance in the third quarter against Charlotte came up kind of uh came up kind of limping uh on a on a loose ball he immediately mouthed to the Lakers bench uh, something like I'm done or I'm out or something like that and the Lakers trainer came over and a couple teammates helped Nance kind of off the floor. He didn't put any weight on the leg that was injured. And then he was reportedly on crutches tonight in the Lakers locker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it didn't, it didn't look good. And, you know, Nance, if people, if you remember correctly, he tore his ACL. I can't remember on which knee uh, in, in college at Wyoming and the the scary thing with this, and you know, I, I hate doing this or jumping to conclusions or whatever. But the the look on his face kind of looked like he knew something was up. Like he almost like it was a pain that he kind of recognized. And and the fact that he in, immediately looked over at the bench and knew that he was done, um, as well, at least for tonight's or last night's game. It was, uh, that's, it's very concerning. It's very concerning, but hopefully, you know, (laughs) it feels weird to say this, but hopefully it's kind of like Nick Young's injury where it looked serious and it turned out to be something relatively minor and that, you know, something he was back in in just a couple weeks. So, um, you know, we'll hope, hope the best for, for Larry Nance and hope that, uh, it's, it's nothing serious. Yeah, and just to really illustrate how good Nance has been, of the Lakers' lineups to play more than 20 total minutes this year, he has been a part of, as far as the ones with the outscoring teams by the most points per 100 possessions, he's part of four of the top five. Yeah. So that's like a, that's a little concerning if he's going to miss time. What do you think the Lakers do if Nance is out for some extended period? Who who's going to be the guy to get more minutes in your mind? Um, man, it's it's tough, especially you know. I think if Tarek Black, you know, can come back and be you know just be healthy to where he's you know consistent part of the lineup again, I think you're going to see a lot of minutes increase for him for Julius Randle. Um, 
and you'll probably see Thomas Robinson kind of go in, you know, get some 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 more run. Obviously, that's what um, I was thinking. Was Robinson gets a little bit more burn, and Randall or Robinson goes from a DNP to in the lineup, and Randall just gets more minutes. Yeah, no, I think. Well, I think a lot of the bigs are going to get, except for maybe Mozgov. I feel like he's maybe the one big that wouldn't get more minutes from that. Yeah. Um. Although, I mean, you never know. They could kind of view, I guess, his his rim protection as as more needed with Nance out because Nance is a pretty good rim protector in his own right. Um. But yeah, it's it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a group a group effort really. I mean, they're going to have to increase minutes for a number of those guys. And cause I don't think they want to really overload one player with like a completely like yeah. Thomas Robinson will get, you know, minutes obviously, but I don't think they want to throw him out there for like 25 minutes a game. Be, you know, after he, he's a guy that hasn't really seen the floor here lately. So no, that would be crazy. They, they have to, they have to make it up by committee to a certain degree for sure. Exactly. And, for and sure. One, yeah. One thing that I'd really, I, I'd kind of like to see thinking a little bit more about it while you were talking is Luol Dang getting some of those minutes at the four because mm-hmm. he was really good there for Miami last year. Now he's had a little bit of a resurgence and been pretty good for the Lakers at small forward in recent games. But he might even be able to, if he's playing this well right now, he might even be able to take it to another level, play, getting some of those power forward minutes. And I definitely don't think that that's something that should happen when Nance is available, unless mm-hmm. Nance is, you know, maybe he'll play a couple more minutes as a small ball center, things like that. You find other ways to get Luol more minutes at power forward. But as long as Nance is out, you might as well see what Dang can give you there. And you might even see Ingram get some minutes at the four as well if they go because I think the the Cleveland game, which was one of the Lakers' better efforts this year, there were there were times where Ingram was at the four because the Lakers went really small to match well, up with like Cleveland. Power forward point guard. Yeah, yeah, and it was really effective. It was really effective. They could space the floor. They could keep up with Cleveland, you know, who likes to play a lot of a lot of small ball. They like to spread the floor and, and attack you with, you know, obviously with LeBron going to the basket and and setting up their shooters on the perimeter and things like that. Um, so I think you might you might see that you might see the Lakers go with some some small ball lineups with Ingram at the four um, while kind of still sort of running the point, so to speak. It's still a little, uh, it's still a little scary to think about him going out there as a power forward while weighing like 80 pounds <laughs> oh yeah i mean it, it definitely depends on the matchup yeah, like if they're going sure. up against if teams go small i think it's okay but you definitely don't want to send him out there and tell him to d up some traditional power forward yeah you don't want to you know send him out there say against like the spurs where he's going to get posted up by Pau gasol or Lamarcus aldridge all oh, game no. and they're <laughs> you know something like that but if if it's a favorable matchup where a team kind of goes with like that stretch four kind of type or like like the Rockets, for example, if they throw out like Ryan Anderson, like that's a more favorable matchup, obviously. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's going to depend on the matchup. But I think you're you're still going to see Ingram at the four at at some at certain points if if the matchup kind of permits it. Yeah, I, I I think that's I that's something that I think that we talked about going into the season, and I think it, it it's definitely something that they could do. And he Ingram's definitely shown that he can play that level of minutes and that he can kind of do some things at power forward at times in the right matchup. And as long as we're talking about guys replacing Nance by committee, I think I thought Luke Walton had some interesting comments as kind of reported by Serena Winters of Lakers nation. Yeah. I, I, Luke Walton went on 
the one of the ESPN radio shows. I believe it was the one with Mike Trudell and Michael Thompson, but I could be mistaken okay. about that. And Luke said something along the lines of that he doesn't see any of the young Lakers right now as the next face of the franchise, which, okay, the, the did, did the Lakers' last coach write that line for him? Did Luke accidentally read some of the notes that were left <laughs> over or something from last year? No, it's not time to panic. He went on to say because he doesn't think that any of them have to right now, which has been something that Anthony normally when he's in your spot has kind of emphasized all year that he doesn't think that the Lakers need that one guy because they can kind of do it by committee or different Mm -hmm. guys can step up on different nights like Luke said. And I I guess I just kind of wanted your thought. Do you think that any of these young guys are the clear cut? They're going they're going to be the next superstar and Luke is just politicking a little bit here. Or do you really think that it's going to be a committee thing? It's it's interesting because I could see kind of both ways, like both routes kind of unfolding. Um, I think Gary. (laughs) No, I I think the Lakers certainly have two players that that absolutely could become the next face of the franchise and could be superstar talents in D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram. I was going to guess I was going to guess Huertas and Calderon, (laughs) but all right, difference of opinion. <laughs> Can't leave out Zubots either. Oh so. yeah, actually, oh that was disrespectful on my part. I apologize. <laughs> no, so I mean they've de- definitely got players that you know have that potential, but it's so hard to really put that label on them right now. And so I think Luke was politicking a little bit because you know D'Angelo Russell's still twenty years old, Brandon Ingram's nineteen years old. You know these guys are so young that I don't think you want to really put those expectations on on those players and i know ingram got kobe's locker and that was a huge deal at the start of the year or whatever i believe i said that we should be rooting for a meteor to hit the earth and end the human race because nobody <laughs> can live up to kobe <laughs> yeah i mean it's i don't know it's it's one of those things i feel like people are always always think the lakers have to have a face of their franchise which i mean they always kind of have you know but not that I'm comparing this team to like the Showtime Lakers or whatever. Obviously, Magic was the face of the franchise, but Kareem, you know, was obviously a superstar. Then you had James Worthy. It was you had the face of the franchise, but that was also kind of a collective effort too. You know, yeah. with those with those teams, and I think again, not that I'm comparing this team to 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 the Showtime era, but you could have <laughs> easy Clay Thompson, but. No, it's it's one of those things that it's going to be, you know, it could be a group effort, and you could just have really good players that step up on different nights, and you know, you never know. It it could also be D'Angelo Russell becomes Steph Curry 2.0, or Ingram becomes Durant 2.0. You don't know, but it's you know, I think it's it's smart that you know Luke Walton's not really putting a label on any one of them and putting those kind of expectations on them at at this stage of their careers when they're so young. I think it's I think it's good from like you mentioned the public expectation standpoint so that none of these guys are getting hit with the bust label if they don't average 20 points a game right out of the gate you know mm. so I think it's it's good from that standpoint it buys them time with the fans when it's kind of, when the coach is kind of espousing rhetoric like that but I also think that it's good for the locker room because how does it affect the team that Luke's talked about all season and all training camp that every that the best guys are going to play everybody has a chance to play on any given night and i feel like this is almost an extension of that because if he comes out and he says just for example you know D'Angelo Russell is 
definitely the best player on this roster. We expect that from him every night. He is our engine. He is our leader. He is everything that drives us. Then I think Julia, a guy like Julius Randle is kind of sitting there like, wait, what? What yeah. You, what, why, why are you saying that about him? I mean, even Clarkson's a competitive guy, and, and they're obviously all rooting for each other to succeed, but I think that it it's a way of almost easing unnecessary tension in the locker room. Like, there's no reason to have these guys, you know, fighting each other for who's going to be the next franchise face. It, it's, it builds more camaraderie to say we're all the next franchise face. It's all of us. If we have success, every single one of us is going to be on the billboards. And the Lakers, even in their marketing, have done that. They've had most of these guys, uh, most of their promotional stuff has been these guys together. They aren't mm-hmm. picking, they aren't playing favorites. They aren't picking one guy. Well, it's the first time that they've had that in a long time where they could really promote an entire group. And it wasn't just, oh, you know, this is Kobe's team. It would have been a Kobe different thing to it if Shaq's... it was like a Kobe, Lamar, and Chris Mim billboard or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 one of the – like I said, it's the first time that they've sort of been able to take that angle in a really long time. And, and, and kind of to your point about, you know, if like if Luke Walton appointed – a leader in the locker room or whatever, like this is, this is our guy, you know, you also don't want, I guess, a team always turning to a player for like anything in a, in a bad situation if he's not ready for it. You know, like if, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to word this exactly, but like you don't want the team becoming so reliant on a young player you know, if they're not prepared to take that role yet. And yeah, I don't, you, you know, you don't want to give them unnecessary expectations with the fans or in the locker room too, too soon. That's the other side of it. Aside from even jealousy is you don't want the team feeling like, Hey, when this guy sits, we just don't have a chance. Right. And, and, you know, and that was the luxury that the Lakers always had with Kobe because Kobe was just like, get on my back and I'll carry us to the finish line. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Lakers don't really have that type of personality. I mean, maybe Nick Young to develop a little bit. Before <laughs> start doing that. I was gonna say maybe Nick Young probably thinks that he can do that. But, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's yeah, like these guys are so young that they're probably and you hear it with, I think, Ingram more so all the time that he's kind of just. I mean, he's certainly at that stage of his rookie season where he's, you know, he wants to just do whatever he can to help his team win games. Whereas, you know, Kobe was like, you know, I know how to win. I know what I'm doing. Just follow my lead. And, you know, these guys, you know, certainly haven't developed that that mindset yet or anything really close to it. Yeah. And I'd almost argue that you almost hope they don't. It's yeah. because I, I don't know that any of them are going to be as good as Kobe. Except for Zubats. Yeah, except for obviously. <laughs> but the, the Lakers, they, they have about they have a couple of years to figure that one out while he develops into that into that franchise phase. <laughs> so, Gary, I appreciate you coming on and replacing Anthony. And I think that that's pretty much all we have. I think that rounds up just about most of the Lakers stuff of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got anything coming you want to plug really quick before we head off here? Um. Not really, I guess. I mean, I there's a lot to talk about with the Lakers, so I can't really pinpoint one thing right now. But um, I'm, cer- I'm certain that you know, as the season develops, and especially with the Christmas Day game coming up with the Clippers, um, you know, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So I would, I would imagine so. So you can follow him on Twitter at, at Gary Kester. I believe that's that's the correct at. Yep. Yeah. Uh, short, simple, and sweet. All right. So. <laughs> I'm one, so creative. 
Yeah, yeah. That, I, hey, mine's just my my initials and then my last name, so it's fine. <laughs> this isn't a creative podcast. <laughs> All right. So one last reminder. As always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. And Mac Weldon, I forgot to mention them at the beginning. Use the promo code LOLakers on both of those to get uh, a $20 rebate on SeatGeek and 20% off on Mac Weldon. And Anthony should be back tomorrow. I don't think we're having a guest for tomorrow's show, but I believe for Friday we will have a pretty good guest for you guys if we can get it lined up here. So, you, you know, Gary, obviously you're a great guest, but I mean like someone <laughs> a little more important. I mean, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a poor way to phrase that, but yeah, none none taken, none taken. Okay, <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.